Alaskan Gardeners. Margaret and Dave back in the studio, and uh, what a lucky day for us, huh? Right, and if you do call in, remember you have to do 907 first, 586 That's right. Call in show all over the the all over the world. You uh-huh. can call in from anywhere in the world <laughs> or even or even the orbital space station. Well, Alaska's big enough for me. Okay, that'll work. Say uh how is it in cake this morning? I bet it's just beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we we're open starting today at uh, Landscape Alaska. We have our greenhouses packed with new material. Landscape Alaska is a small nursery on the Back Loop Road. It's up a driveway between Goat Hill Road and Springway, and it's the cutest little scene you ever saw. It's what you call a boutique location. And it is. It's at our house, and uh, we're absolutely jam-packed with stuff, <laughs> and there's more coming in. And what I'm really excited about, we have, we have uh, roses. Really pretty roses. Really incredible roses. There are going to be roses that will need protection in the wintertime. They're not rugosas. There's one called Above All Else, and it's a climbing rose, really fragrant. And if you have a nice south wall with an eave over it, you probably could grow this rose. Temperatures are changing. I don't have the location, or <laughs> I would be out there digging a hole and putting it in the ground. Absolutely. I got about 20 different kinds of roses this year. And we well, have those little mini roses that can be in a hanging basket. Yeah. And that bloom all the way till it freezes all, hard. All summer long. Yep. And there can all different kinds of colors. There's orange, there's yellow, there's white, there's red. There's a uh, almost blue, a pale almost blue color. Oh, I don't believe that. Well. You don't have blue roses. No, but it's almost blue. It's a lavender that's almost blue. All right. That's just a way to sell something. And not only that, it's called Arctic blue. Oh, perfect. Maybe even Arctic blue eye. Uh (laughs) okay so anyway okay so that's landscape alaska and you know this morning they have a market at the jack and there's a public market there and connor our son is down with a sampling just a bare sampling but little japanese maples and some vegetable starts we have a lot of herbs and vegetables Lots, lots of herbs we have two different kinds of carrots we have uh lettuces lots and lots of lettuces lettuces and straight uh What's the red lettuce called? Red sails. Red sails. And um, the, all the kinds cool of herbs. Thing, all kinds of herbs. Lots, including something new to me. It's an oregano called Cuban oregano that's a succulent-looking leaf. I think that would be a magnificent houseplant. Okay. Well, an I'll put one in magnific- a pot. Yep, put one in a pot and put it in the windowsill. It looks so cool. But it's it's really an aromatic and uh, taste Taste tantalizing little plant, too. And we have stevia. We have stevia. I've never grown stevia before, but I saw it on the list, and I thought, there's somebody in Juno that's going to really want their own stevia plants. I bet there's going to be six I don't even them. know how to use I mean, I know of it in, as a sweetener, a natural sweetener in ingredients that you bake with and things like that, but I don't know how you get it from the plant. Does it flower and... You, I will learn. You know, I do not know yet, but I will learn. Good. And not only will I start cooking too. I just can't wait for that. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why would I cook? (laughs) Okay, so it's uh, lawns, lawn thatching. You hear the the thatchers going all over town. Lawn thatching is the first thing that people do in the springtime. Get out there, get the gravel and the sand off your lawn. 
And then you start getting all the dead grass out. And well, I first, s- you have to sweep the gravel up before you start thatching. You do, or else it'll become little BB. Uh huh. Little pellets. That's right. Shooting at your dogs and your kids. So, a lawn thatcher is a device that looks kind of like a lawnmower when you look at it first. But instead of having a blade that goes round and round, it has a shaft that goes from side to side and spins and has a bunch of little fingers on it. And those sharp, little, sharp little scissor-like fingers. That dig down into the ground. You want it to go just to the surface of the ground. So it tears out the dead grass All and the, dead the moss. Gra- uh, there's huge amounts of it. You are amazed how much dead grass comes out of your lawn. I'm not. And I don't want to do it every <laughs> you. Well, Margaret, you've been doing it for 40 years. That's I all I got to say. And you're accustomed to waiting. I try to talk people into, uh, just let it be green. Don't worry about it being a perfect lawn. Chris, I guess that makes me a, a bad lawn person. I think I am a bad lawn person. Oh, well, maybe you'll be sentenced <laughs> to eternity in a lawn, lawn factory. No kidding. That'd be hell, that's for sure. Okay, 586-1800. You can ask us questions about that. And, and it's Earth Day. And it's Earth Day. And speaking of Earth Day, we're going to really focus this year on having beneficial predator insects to phone go call. after things. It's phone call. Oh, we got a call? Good. Good morning. Good morning. I was wondering if uh, you've heard of boomerang lilacs and if they would work in our environment and if you can get them if they would. And I'll listen online. Okay. Thanks. Yes, I have heard of it. It was an introduction from Bailey Nursery about 10 years ago. And boomerang refers to... And Bailey to is in the Midwest. Yes. They are also in Oregon, but they are one of the largest nursery companies in the world. And and uh, the boomerang refers to the fact that once it flowers, you can cut the flowers off and uh, fertilize it, and it comes back into bloom. It sets a new set of flowers sometime in the midsummer. So you get a springtime bloom and a midsummer bloom. Wouldn't it be... Deter- I mean, we get so much <coughs> rain here. You know, the concept of a boomerang is a really great idea. Don't misunderstand me. I absolutely love lilacs, and having it bloom more than once would be great. But they're so our weather is so wet. I wonder how it would respond here. Well, I've not tried it, but my friends in Oregon in the nursery business say that the springtime bloom is spectacular and the midsummer bloom is a lot smaller. Right. Not anywhere near as... Uh, you know, as earth-shaking as the the great big springtime blooms mm-hmm. are. Well, you know, and, and maybe it would like the cooler climate because it gets pretty darn hot in Oregon in and the one, summertime. And one thing you know is that once once some kind of a plant is introduced that gets a following, then what often happens is that that uh, more plant breeders get on the the wagon, just like happened with the hydrangeas. Once the the that green when limelight came out and people liked it so much, then the whole market exploded and plant breeders all over the world began producing them. Now you've got little tiny ones and weeping ones <laughs> and green ones and pink ones and red ones and great big ones. And, and, oh, I'm just thrilled with them, absolutely. But I see that happening over and over again in different kinds of plant categories. So if this uh, woman Bo- would like to get a boomerang, wh- how would you recommend that she try to get one? Uh, if you want one, or you want 10, call me up right away because I have two more nurseries that are packing stuff up for us to come, and they're being shipped next week, so I'd have to get it into them right away. And you don't even know how much they are or anything, so you'd have to research that. Get a little one, get a big one. I don't know. Okay. 
So this is Landscape Alaska, and we have a website. That we, LandscapeAlaska.com, and you can get in contact with us through there. Or you can follow, and, and on our website is my cell phone number. So you can easily call me up that way. So great. I right. didn't even know about the boomerang, but Part, there's not, a lot of things I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's not your thing. It is really my thing. I love that new stuff. Yeah. New stuff coming all the time. And new stuff coming to us all the time. In this in this uh, shipment of bedding plants this week, I got some heliotrope. Yes, my grandmother's favorite plant. It was one of my grandmother's favorite plants too. And she had it as a house plant in yes. Fresno. Yes, and my grandmother had it as uh, a house plant in Kingston Mines, Illinois. Right, so heliotrope has uh, kind of purple leaves Really, really dark purple leaves. And, and they ca- used to call it the velvet plant because it's kind of fuzzy. It is, a little bit fuzzy. And it has a really lavender, in bud in purple, but fl- opens to a lavender flower. Lavender with a little tiny, tiny yellow center on them. Mm-hmm. But the big deal about heliotrope is, is it fragrant? It's one of the most aromatic things you can ever imagine. And it really, when you smell it, it reminds you of your grandmother. <laughs> you know, because it's kind of, it's really sweet smelling and old fashioned. Right. It smells it's nothing not, like modern. It's not meant to really be in this climate an outdoor plant unless you have a greenhouse or some kind of protected, really warm environment. Absolutely, it's it's you know it's a fancier's plant. Mm-hmm. If you're a fancier and you want something like that, this is a good choice for you. Well, I'm really excited about the roses, and I'm just going to have to grab a couple and plant them in pots and take care of them in the wintertime. I brought up five Chicago Peace roses. I'm so glad. It's one of my very favorite. Uh Uh-huh. And and one of them already went away yesterday. Because it's so fragrant, you know. As much as I love ragosas, and hats off to them for being so very strong and tough. Living here with no trouble. Um, They're not very fragrant. Nothing like There's nothing like the fragrance of a really good Rose. Man, isn't it so? Mm-hmm. It's the kind of aroma that'll wake you up. Yeah, absolutely. It yeah. might put you to sleep, but it, I know <laughs> it'll wake you up. It's so entrancing. And the texture, the petals, they're so velvety and mm-hmm. soft. I just wish our house faced south rather than facing north. You know, it's like frustrating. I know. I'll have to keep it on the back porch where it does face at least west. Okay, let me bump back to lawn thatching for a minute because I was talking to Tyler this morning. Tyler Reddle. We have to go to Tyler and buy some more hard hats too. Okay, thanks for reminding me. So Tyler Reddle has lawn thatchers and they're up and running and all tuned up ready to go. Yep, Mm -hmm. And they have the the heavy duty ones and they have the lighter duty ones. You know, it all depends on what kind of a need you have. So everybody who's just Wanting to get out and take care of their lawn, go and, to Tyler. And go there this morning before it rains because this last run of dry weather has made it just perfect for thatching your lawns out right now. Without turning it into a mud field. That's right. All right. And the lawns should be mostly thawed, except for ours. Yes, except for ours. That's right. So uh, coming out of the greenhouses, in the fall, we hired the uh cross-country team and they help us put all of our nursery stock into the greenhouses for the winter time so the weather's just beginning to freeze up and the snow's starting to fall and we start packing our greenhouses up for the winter time we put all the the evergreens and um, rhododendrons in one and all the deciduous material in another 
and we stack it up and give it a good watering and then close the greenhouse for the winter. And it's all wrapped in white plastic, so once it gets cold and stays cold, the plants freeze, and they freeze solid, and they stay dormant all winter. And then springtime comes around, and we uh, open them back up and start bringing those little babies out, and they're coming out right now. They've just We've been unpacking for about 10 days, and we have, you know, trees and shrubs everywhere. Phone call, Dave. Everywhere. Oh, good morning, Conversations. Hey, good morning. Hey, I got a question for you. I'm just going to ask a question and hang up because I'm uh, good. dry. Uh, anyway, my question is old huckleberry bushes that have been like 20 years old or older, you know, not producing any very little berries. How do you... Uh, how do you help that, or should I dig them up, or what? Oh, no. Anyway, that's that's my question, and I'll let you go. Okay, great. You bet Thanks you so way. much. You feed them. All right. You feed them. You want to feed them. Get a good organic fertilizer and some chicken manure. Really, bunny poop is the very best. Uh, and, and feed them. Make sure you water them because it's been a dry month. Be sure you water them. Don't fertilize things when they're dry. But then uh, feed it. And remember, when you fertilize things, particularly wild things like that, the root systems are really, really broad. You look at the shrub and say it's uh, waist high and four feet across. Its roots are probably out about 10 feet. So you're going to fertilize. You're not just going to fertilize right around that plant. You're going to fertilize that whole area, a 10-foot radius circle around it. And make sure the whole thing is damp, wet first, right. so you don't burn it, because fertilizer does tend to act like a salt when you put it on something dry. Oh, and, and how and, exciting! And yes, remember, they'll go, come right on for you too. Okay, and and really, what you're going to be fertilizing for, I'm sorry, is not this year's flowers and fruit, but next year's flowers and fruit. So it's going to take it a while to absorb it. and. Uh, no, but they'll grow more vigorously oh, this year. Oh, very much so. And anything dead on it, go ahead and prune off um, so it can grow new branches. And there's such a pretty-looking shrub, too. Right. The birds always, and the squirrels always get mine, but I'm always too busy to be out there watching right mm-hmm. when it's right to get them. I always get the very first ones that turn ripe. I might not get all the rest of them, but the first ones, I go out there and you're like, oh, this one's, this one's pink. <laughs> I bet it's I bet it's good enough. We're okay. so lucky to have the berry understory oh, here. Aren't we though? What an amazing thing it is. And we clue right into that. You know, in our practice, the fruiting shrubbery is such an important part of the home landscape. It's hard to have apple trees and pear trees and cherry trees because the Because you need to put them in cages. That's right. The bears come for them. You know, and and you know, a, even a little bear Climbing in an apple tree is, can't help but break branches. But the fruiting shrubbery, you know, you can protect that much easier. And like, uh, oh, all those kinds of berries, raspberries. and Although we do have those shrub shrub berries, Romeo and Juliet. Cherry berries. Cherry yeah. berries. Yep, we've got a few of those. And this is a cherry tree that's been bred down. To be a shrub. To be a shrub. And you need, again, you need two varieties of it in order to get good quality fruit on it. Just like you do with, with most other things, and gooseberries, and currants, all of these. Even though you'll get fruit from them if you only have one, you get a lot more fruit from both of them if you have one each of two different kinds. And it's time for pruning things. 
Yeah. Pruning things that are coming out of dormancy. So hydrangeas. Hydrangeas. We need to have a hydrangea class. Okay. A pruning class. Let's Maybe Peggy will let us come to her house and prune her hydrangeas. She's got quite a few of them. That's a good idea. I'll ask her. So hydrangeas, the old kind of hydrangeas that you think about that change colors, they don't do very well here. Only on a south wall. But there's another hydrangea that does really well here, and that's the one that makes a flower that looks kind of like a lilac. It's got a long cone rather than a round ball, and the, round, the long cone starts blooming around the end of July, and it's still got flowers on it when the snow falls. It's got a, an incredibly long bloom period. Starts, yeah, starts in July and goes to the end of October. And they're so pretty. And, and you it, can make flower arrangements out of them. And they, and you can train them to do all kinds of things. It comes wild at, like a shrub. But if you want to, you can train it to be a little tree. You just leave one branch, one trunk, and, uh, and cultivate that one. And tie it up to a stick and make it tall. And then when it gets up as tall as you want, you pinch the end of it off. And new branches grow out there. And you train it to be a little tree shape. And they're so cute. So those hydrangea trees <coughs> that we have, aren't they grafted? No, they're not. They're, they're just not, trained. They're just trained. They're just trained like wow. that. Wow. And they make a huge trunk in just a couple of years. They certainly are growers. They love oh, to grow. Boy, do they ever. Yeah. And when they come into bloom, they're eight feet across. Right. Just And, and, and filled with flowers. And you know what and, else? And what's great is that with, you know, it's rained so much in the last few years in Juneau. You know, you really feel that... Someone's it, turned the hose on. Gosh, you know, last year when I was trying to mow lawns, you know, some weeks there would be seven inches of rain. Well, it's hard to mow a lawn when it's rained seven <laughs> inches. <laughs> you need a boat. But the thing is, is that hydrangeas and rosan geraniums, which are a great companion planting, they don't turn brown. They don't get unattractive just because the it's pouring down rain and that's really something in this climate it is that is why certain varieties get selected because they can take that F- some midsummer flocks is another one that doesn't fall apart in the pouring down rain and uh yellow yarrow doesn't fall apart in the pouring down rain you know those those varieties are the real cast iron hybrids that really can make things happen in Juno. And it's not just that they live, they look pretty. Right, but where things like petunias, you got to have them under an eave. You know, they can't take pouring down rain. You have to pick, and, and, and marigolds, as cute as they are, they get too beat up when it pours down rain. You have to have them underneath a, a protection of some sort. But these other plants, they just go to town. I love that. I do too. And I also, I have a favorite picture of you standing in the white hydrangeas in front of the Capitol building the year you planted it there. Sweet summer hydrangeas. They were so pretty and they're waist high to you and so they're filled really pretty. with color. Uh-huh. Yes. And they go to a blush pink. Really pretty. Mm-hmm. So, so all those hydrangea bushes that are around the Capitol building, they'll start blooming all at once. They look like and they've sticks got now. that yellow crocus happening down there now. Oh, yeah. Drive by the Capitol building, the crocus that are out there. We planted maybe maybe 500 of them, but there's a couple thousand in bloom right now. Yeah, they look pretty. We're, and because it's been so dry, last year when it was wet, Main Street corner 
bloomed first. And by the time it got to Seward, Main Street was done and Seward would come in bloom. But this year, because it's been so dry, it's all across the front of the building. It really looks great. And so succulent. And the people taking care of the garden there really are doing a nice job. They did. They have done a wonderful job mm-hmm. to it. And keeping all that stuff fertilized and pruned is just the way to do it. Because right. it's, it's a full landscape in only a five-foot-wide space. Right. So you have to make sure that everything stays in, in uh, relationship size and also stays at top health. So everything looks great. Well, we have a little bit more time. If you want to call in, the phone number is? Uh, uh, 907-586-1800. And if you want to go see Connor and DJ down at the Jack, they'll be down there selling stuff like mad from their little tent. Oh, and we have two kinds of strawberries. If anybody's looking for strawberries, we have quite a few strawberries this year. We couldn't get them last year. We had a small amount last year, but this year we have several f- big flats. And the, the two kinds we have are the ones that come all at once in the middle of June and the kind that give a small clop, crop of fruit every week for the whole summer. Great. And we have two kinds of carrots. We have the rainbow carrots, and we have the really sweet Not or- days, huh? orange carrots that... Uh, Half of them went down to the jack and half of them are at the house. I've never seen carrots as a transplant vegetable start before. I'm so excited. I'm putting them in my boxes. Because <laughs> it takes carrots a really, really long time to get started. Uh-huh. You know, so when you start them from seed, you're looking at a month before you start to thin them. Well, s- carrot seed is one of the <coughs> things that sells out early when the seed comes up. Oh, you know what else came in are those African daisies. They're sweet. You talk about the most colorful thing you can have in your window boxes. They really are it. And they look so mod. They've got so many mixed colors coming together on them. Really pretty purple, pink, and bright orange. Okay, I'm going to be down at the, at looking at the jack this morning, so I probably won't get back to Landscape Alaska until 11 o'clock. But after 11 and until 4 or 5 this afternoon, come by and see me, and you'll be thrilled. And all the, the new stock that's just beginning to come in is, uh, you know, we're showing it off. And the stock that lived over the winter is so happy to be out of the greenhouses and ready to grow. And we have a whole bunch of pansies and violas. Remember the big pansies that Landscape Alaska used to supply? Well, we found that same guy again, and, and we have those And they're just coming pansies. on. They're just beginning to bloom. That's right. They're going to be really, really pretty this year. And and we have snapdragons. And Star- poppies. Starts. Well, Connor took the poppies, so I don't know if we'll, Oop, have, any po- if we'll have any poppies. They'll be gone. <coughs> what we do have in great abundance are the dwarf Korean lilac Miss Kim, which yes. is one of the very best blooming plants for southeast Alaska. And that's what the hedge is that's around the parking lot by the Gold Belt building. And it comes into bloom around the 4th of July when we're all downtown watching the fireworks. So the whole, whole area smells like lilacs. And Miss Kim is is a beautiful dwarf lilac. Gets about as tall as I am and about as big around as I can reach. And the leaves come out green, but they turn purple, burgundy colored in the autumn. Yeah, they're really pretty in the garden. They really they are, are a garden. seasonal plus. And and will grow right up by the glacier. And will grow on the north side of your house even. They're, they're and it takes wonderful. the rain. Don't we like that? All those things are true. So we're going to start working at the Riverview this week, and I'm so excited. Placing soil Monday and Tuesday and the cobble, and then we'll get to bring our plants and start planting like mad. Yes, it should be a a great transformation. 
one of the things when Landscape Alaska comes on the job, it doesn't take very long for it to change. I don't know, but it, it it's a big job, but uh, we're ready. Accolade cherries are starting to flower. They're I so see sweet. The buds are swelling. I don't mean they're in bloom yet. So the ones that are planted all around the library in the valley, and the ones that are downtown on, on uh, the, the Millennial Grove. They're probably going to bloom to start this week, little by little. going to be really pretty. Accolade cherry is one of the very earliest cherries to flower around here. And it flowers but does not fruit. Right, no fruit, so you don't have to worry about the bears. But it gets to be a lovely-looking tree. It doesn't, it doesn't have a, a straight-up-and-down look. It has, has very broad shape to it. And the branches look really, really pretty. They look like they're uh, kind of muscle man branches. <laughs> That's good. We, we need to do some pruning on ours also because the damage that they received last year, and we didn't get to them before we put them away. So we might want to do a tree pruning clinic too. I did most of that already this spring, but I'm, I still have a few trees to do. And, and you know, that's we, one of my favorite things to do. We have some absolutely beautiful Japanese maples. I mean, really, those Munns Moonrise, those are some of the sweetest-looking trees I've seen in a long time. That's it for sure. So uh, Landscape Alaska is closed on Mondays, but we're open uh, today and tomorrow. And we're going to be closed this week because we're oh, going to be all, out all doing the, the job. La- we're doing yeah. the job, but we'll, towards the end of the week we'll be there. Okay. Or call us. We can yeah. always make an appointment with you. Glad to. Yes, call me up. You'll find our phone number on the website, but uh, it's 321-4149. That'll get right to me. Don't worry about it. And uh, we, Margaret was talking about organic fertilizers for your fruit trees. We've got organic fertilizers for fruit trees. Oh, and you were going to talk about the nematodes and the beneficial insects, which we... We've got a couple minutes here. So before World War II and the, and the uh, invention of all the synthetic pesticides, uh, beneficial insects was the only weapon in people's arsenal to be able to, to uh, combat insect pests. But they got really good at it. And they identified predatory insects from all over the world. And uh, they grew them in what are called insectaries, which are like a, a big kind of a hen house. And they uh, grow each species separately. So now that uh, pesticides have been around for 50 years and people are, start, are, are looking for alternatives, you know, that, that pendulum has swung back again. So what do you use for aphids? Because, boy, we're going into aphid season. I saw a disgusting picture on Facebook today that just gave me the creeps. Well, there are several of them. One is the larval stage of the ladybug. The ladybug adult, which will eat some but doesn't hang around very long. it flies away. Flies away. But the larval stage is not, and it crawls around, and it really eats them. Isn't there something else, though, too? Oh, yes. There's about a dozen of them. There's, and, and some of them you buy as a little packet of eggs and hang on one of your plants. And as the eggs hatch out, the predator crawls around on the plant there and eats all the aphids it can find. Great. Before it uh, makes a chrysalis. Let's get some. Okay, I'll order them this week. So we'll talk to you again next week. This is Margaret and Dave from Landscape Alaska. We're on the back loop road between Goat Hill Road and Springway. And enjoy the springtime. You betcha. We'll go talk to Connor at the Jack. We'll see you next week, and remember... 
Happy gardening.